0: Ronananian. The problem is, he goes every time they sell a flush, they make five bucks.
1: New Hampshire, this state's crazy. And realize it's the only state in the country without a mandatory seatbelt. You take that live free of thing. we too
2: friggin' serious.
0: car doctor you got to look at the positive i said if they continue to sell those flushes that means those service riders can buy an awful lot of lawn furniture and um, at least the lawn furniture industry is going to be doing well welcome to the radio home of ron and Anian, the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair if your mechanic's giving you a busy signal pick up the phone and call in the garage doors are open but i am here to take your calls At 855-560-9900. And now. The most dramatic license plate of all has to be New Hampshire's, which says,
3: live free or die. (laughs) Well, I'm certainly not going to move there.
0: Here's Ronnie. And I can understand that. Welcome to our newest Car Doctor affiliate, WNNH. New Hampshire, as we thank them and appreciate the fact that they are helping carry the Car Doctor legacy coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and uh, help move us forward. We're now on live in the great state of New Hampshire. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900 is the phone number, here to answer your questions and solve your problems as we take this show another weekend forward and uh, continue to solve all of America's broken car problems and uh, attempt to do that. You can find more information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com. There is an affiliate list there via tunein.com. You can find podcasts of this radio show and take us with you wherever you want to go at iheart.com or itunes.com. And remember, if you need me, Ron Anini, and the Car Doctor during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. It's funny about that, if you need me during the week thing. I have to tell you this story as we kick off this hour with the Car Doctor.
2: Ron, I hate to interrupt the monologue, We've got a call on the line here. We really, really need to get to him right now.
0: This it, guy's in a parking lot. He's got a big problem. Important? All right. V- extremely let me, important. Le, let me grab this. Hang on one second, folks. Let's let's see who's on line one. Who's on line one? Ron? Hi, Ron. It's, it's Ron from Waldwick, New Jersey. Gee, thanks for taking my call. I'm really desperate. I'm sorry to hear you're having so many problems, Ron. What, what What can I do for you? What's the uh, year, make, model, of vehicle, and what sort of situation do you have? I have a 2004 Chevy Suburban. Really nice car out of the... Family fleet, it's probably the nicest. It's one of those vehicles that hasn't been out in the snow. It hardly goes out in the rain. I don't think I've turned the four-wheel drive on in the past 12 years a half a dozen times. So when I tell you this vehicle is pampered, it's pampered. And, and I also have to preface this by saying that I'm a mechanic. I fix cars for a living. And it, what happened was I was at a seminar the other night down in Secaucus, New Jersey, for AC Delco. They were giving us some training on scan tools and some of the newer scan tools in the marketplace, And I came out of the meeting, went to do a remote start, and I was a little far away. I was probably a good 50 yards away from the vehicle. And when I got there, the vehicle was just cranking, and it wouldn't start. It was just like a continuous crack. I finally got it to stop cranking, unlocked it, got in the vehicle, and found out that even with the key inserted in the ignition, the car wouldn't start. And it was really kind of strange, and I was looking for your thoughts on what you thought might have happened. Well, what can you tell me, Ron? Can you tell me any dashboard warning lights on, any weird notices that you received from the gauges? Did the fuel pump run? You know, when you're in a situation like that, and sometimes a situation like that, especially when you're a mechanic, you find yourself feeling like you're talking to yourself. It's funny. It feels like deja vu. I think I just said that. And the issue really becomes that you've got to stay calm and carry on, like Winston Churchill once said, in that if that were me and I was in that situation, I'd be looking at the dashboard. That's probably my best source of information at that point. What sort of information will it give me? Do the gauges look normal? Where's charging system voltage if you have a volt gauge? What any dashboard warning lights on? Um, You know, I bet in your situation as an educated guest, because I think I've been here before, I think I've seen this problem just recently, as a matter of fact. I'd venture to say that the anti-theft light was on, and it was flashing. That's right, Ron. It was flashing. Um, As a matter of fact, when I put the key in and went to start it, I did hear, I was able to tell the fuel pump was running. I could hear that from the back of the vehicle. Being a mechanic, and I've had the vehicle a long time, I know what the sounds are of, of what sound sounder you know launch is going to sound like and all the dashboard warning lights everything looked normal except the anti-theft light was flashing quickly which told me you're right i was in a false anti-theft event and i say false because i had the right key in my hand and it was me starting the car it wasn't like someone was trying to steal it so then what, what did you do next ron my my guess is. You'd have to go and you need a scan tool, good thing for you. you were at an AC Delco seminar about scan tools and um, you know you could probably could have gone and grabbed one of those is that Is that what you did? Did that get you the answers? Did you have anti theft codes stored in the vehicle? Yes, I did, Ron. I had a matter of fact, I had more than just anti theft codes. I had communication codes I had anti theft faults I had all sorts of things. You could see that the computer was really confused it didn't know which way it was up. So what I did was I went back into the seminar, and fortunately for the, for me, it's I, I know most of the trainers that were there, and I went over to the uh, gentleman from AC Delco, a friend of mine by the name of Steve, and uh, I borrowed the tech, Two from him, the GM factory scan tool, and he came out to the car with me. We were kind of laughing about it. Here we are at 10 o'clock at night out in the middle of a parking lot hooking up the scan tool, and uh, we saw anti-theft codes and you know all sorts of issues going on, uh, cleared them, and we were able to get the vehicle to reset, and it started up, and homeward bound we came. I guess part of the reason for my call is I thought maybe you'd like to talk about this on air for the listeners out there that maybe don't have access to or aren't at a scan tool seminar where they've got access to scan tools that they can plug into their car to diagnose it right there. But, you know, if if this was a regular listener calling in, What would you tell them? How would you tell them to handle it? And uh, I'd be curious to pick your brain and hear how you'd you'd, you'd help them to resolve it. Well, I I appreciate that, Ron. I really do. You know, I I think if it were me, I'd feel like I was talking to myself, and uh, I'd be walking around in circles. But uh, it sounds like a recent episode I had, and I can tell you what I did as I stood out there in that parking lot at night. And, listeners, thanks for playing along with us as we kick off this hour of the car, Doctor. We thought you'd uh, like to hear this experiment of what it's like when you need talk to yourself, and um, I have to tell you, when this happened, I I sort of felt like Will Smith in that movie Hitch, because I really wished I had somebody behind the door to talk to, if you remember the end of the movie, the last couple of scenes, and um, he was looking for help to explain his love life, and in my case, I was looking for help as to, you know, how could the car just drop dead like that? And it did. The 04 Suburban didn't start that night. We came out of the seminar, and I went back in, and I got my friend Steve with the scan tool, and uh, as we cleared the codes, I, I said to myself driving home and, and, and talking with Fast Harry, who was with me, and Danny, my tech, we were all kind of kicking it around and saying, what would the average person do? Look at how much computers are on this vehicle, and this is a 12-year-old vehicle. What would happen if it was a newer car? And the thoughts that came through my mind were, and that's why we sort of chose this for the repair of the week, in that you know, first things first, do what I did. Look at the dashboard. Is it giving you any information? Is the anti-theft warning indicator on? And if you don't know which light is the anti-theft warning indicator, boy, you've got a problem. You know, that's just one of the things you need to know about your car. It's it's critical. What are some of the warning indicators you don't see on a regular basis? If your vehicle has anti-theft, and chances are if it's Something made in the last six, seven years, it's got automatic anti-theft on it. There is a warning light there. Know what it means when it flashes. It may not be a symbol. It may be a color. It may be how fast it flashes or doesn't flash and stay on bright and solid. But the bottom line is there's there's always some sort of anti-theft warning light or indicator on a vehicle that has it. Once I knew it was anti-theft and I went in and did the scan tool routine, what would I do if I were you? Well, there's there's two ways to go about this. Most anti-theft systems will go through a period timeout reset, meaning that if the light is blinking, you need to sit there. And you need to think of it like this. The manufacturer says, well, if the vehicle has a problem in anti-theft and it's supposed to be Ron but it's not Ron, we're going to wait just in case Ron's having a problem and let the vehicle time out. And typically it's 15 to 20 minutes. Let the vehicle sit. Don't touch anything. Don't keep trying to crank it. Time it. Wait 15 minutes. Wait 20 minutes. Does the indicator light stop flashing? Does it change anything on the dashboard? And if it does, put the key in and try starting it again. If it still goes into anti-theft event, and if the Suburban had gone into anti-theft event, my next step would have been to disconnect both battery terminals, put a jumper wire between the two terminals, not the battery, between the cables. I would have put a jumper wire between the cables and sat there. With it connected like that for 8 to 10 minutes, I would have bled the computers down to nothing. I would have taken away their memory, cleared all the fault codes, plugged the cables back in, and hopefully it would have started. If it didn't, and for the record, if it didn't, I was prepared. I had my AAA card on the wallet. I had an 800 AC Delco folder In my glove compartment from when I service my own vehicle, I am entitled to free AC Delco Roadside because I'm an AC Delco Professional Service Center. As ironic as that sounds, listen, anybody's car can break at any given time. Uh, You know, just because I'm the car doctor doesn't mean I'm not going to get a flat tire and doesn't mean I'm not going to have a vehicle that acts up like this. It's electronics. What I shouldn't have is an automotive surprise because I've maintained the vehicle. And here's a case where maintaining the vehicle... I don't know that it would help, but if that vehicle had to be towed in, if it were your car, and it had to be towed in with a no-start condition, knowing the maintenance was done does cut down on what you need to look at. So best answer I can give you as we kick off this hour of the car, doctor, stay calm, carry on. It's a car. Hopefully you've got some of your, um, you know, bad emergency problems sorted out in your head. You know what you're going to do. You've got a plan in place. You've got some phone numbers in place, and you're ready to go. And if all else fails... You may want to try and start talking to yourself because um, it happens to the best of us, and I can honestly say it happened to me. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the car doctor here. A true story from this past week. We were out at a seminar, and um, it just it's, it's really kind of funny. I, I still can't get over the fact as I was walking back in to borrow the scan tool from Steve, from my friend Steve. Uh, some of the guys were coming out of the seminar, and, uh, you know, when I go to these things, I just try to go in very nondescript behind the scenes. And a couple of them came up and asked me. They were like, um, hey, where are you on again? You're back on in New York. And, uh, you know, what radio station is that? And I told them AM1700WRCR, and um, everybody was, like, all excited. And it was funny. I thought about it afterwards. I never told them who I was. I didn't have a name badge on. So um, sometimes maybe it pays not to be recognized. And then again, sometimes I guess you just can't help it. Hey, listeners, we've got an awful lot going on this hour. We've got an interview down around the bottom of the hour with the folks from Superchips. We're going to be talking about performance and what you may be able to do to modify your vehicle. Hopefully it's a little bit better than what I did to the Suburban to get it to run, and uh, you can get some more performance out of your car with things like Super Chips and some of the performance modifications. We are doing a couple of giveaways this week. We've got a $100 gift card going out to you from the folks at Advanced Auto Parts for wherever brake hardware and brought to you by them. We're going to be doing that in the next two hours. We're also going to be giving away a Wix diecast car in the next two hours. So there's a lot of giveaways. There's an interview down around this hour. We've also got Pennzoil in the second hour. We're going to talk to the folks over at Pennzoil. So if you're into cars, if you're into anything automotive, sit back. The Car Doctor is going to take you on a little bit of a ride right after this. Welcome back. We're not and the car doctor rolling along this hour at 855 560 9900. Let's get over and talk to Peter in Pomona, New York, 2004 Mercury Marauder, and some transmission questions, I believe. Peter, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Welcome. I'm glad that you're on the air on 1700 AM, 10,000 watts. And it's great to listen to you. Thank you, sir. Well, I have a 2004 Mercury Marauder. It now has 165,700 miles on it. And I noticed maybe. A couple weeks ago, well, about ten days ago, or so, that there was a little bit of vibration while I was driving, and felt like you were going over rumble strips. So I was thinking maybe it was something with the transmission. And then a week later, I felt a little slippage. So I was concerned. So I made an appointment with a transmission shop near me, and I brought it in. I test drove it. I said, "What are you exactly feeling?" Because we didn't feel anything, and the computer is not throwing out any codes. So I explained to them again. It felt like you're going over rumble strips, and there was a little bit of slippage. So they checked it out, and they said that they saw too much fluid in the, you know, in the fluid levels too high. And then they took the pan down and said, "Look, there's some water in here. There's some water in the pan. So somehow water must have gotten in there somehow."
0: Been driving through there's any deep, deep? Been driving through any deep puddles or anything lately, Peter?
1: Didn't drive through any deep puddles. The only thing I could think of is that. Uh, the last time, a couple, maybe it was a few months ago or a month ago, I have checked the transmission fluid on my own by taking out the dipstick. And the only thing I think of is maybe I didn't push it all the way back in until it clicked and was completely sealed, and I'm thinking maybe some water got in that way you know, when it rained. That's the only thing I could think of.
0: But yeah, no, I and, I, and, it. I, and I think you're reaching there. Just out of curiosity... I don't think it's going to be this, but did anybody happen to look in the radiator or the radiator overflow? Could we be mixing coolant and trans fluid together inside the radiator and it's it's showing signs of it in the trans?
1: They didn't think so because the the cooler for the transmission is, out, is not it's in external the radiator. On this car. It's out, Okay. bolted outside the radiator.
0: Okay. Okay. So your question to me so, is?
1: Well, my question to you is they did a service, you know, they did a service they drained out as much emission fluid as they could and put in a new filter. And their suggestion was that probably we need a rebuild soon and it would be twenty three hundred dollars. And my question is to you is do you agree with that? And if so, do you know a place that that might be a little cheaper than that. I've been driving it just to let you know a cup for a couple of days now, and it seems to be shifting smoothly again, and there's no vibration and no slippage. So I don't know if maybe that that service caught it in time or there's already a little damage right.
0: done. You know, Peter, it's a great question. Let me answer it this way. I don't think this is about how cheap. I think this is about how right. Uh, you know, right. One, of the, one of the funny things about auto repair is we fail to see, and this is not just you, this is a lot of people, we fail to see the value in what a car actually is. And I hate to stand on the soapbox, but you gave me the moment. You know, this is no different than saying, how cheap can you do an oil change? It's not how cheap, it's how right. And I I guarantee you the guy that's cheaper is in all likelihood going to have to cut costs somewhere. Either that or he's just working so cheap, he won't be able to afford to be around for the long haul and you know this is like this is like going into your favorite restaurant you love this place the ambiance the the wait staff best steak in the world best soup best salad best beverages everything's perfect can you do it a little cheaper but you know my attitude is gee i hope you make enough money on me because i want you to stick around a long time because i like the service i like the reliability i like the security i like the fact that you're there when i need you and that's you know, it's funny. We do that with a lot of industries. We don't seem to do that right. with auto repair. So right. that's that's the first part of your question. The, the second part of my question is, because it all comes back to the relationship you have, hopefully, with the mechanic, with the trans rebuilder. He's got reputation. He's in town a long time. He's going to stand behind the product, because hopefully you're not going to have to see him again for a couple of years. The right. second part of the question, I would keep an eye on it. It's very possible that the, the um, service... Helped it, and the service solved it for you. You know, at 165,000 miles, you know, me saying that that car is going to need a trans rebuilt is like me telling the 85-year-old man, you know, time's running out. You got to yeah. take it easy. Um, right, I would, right. I would watch it. I would monitor it as long as you're doing short yeah. trips close to home. I think you're okay, and you can kind of do that transmission in your time as the budget allows, and that's how I would approach that. Peter, I enjoyed the call. Hey, coming up next, Super Chips want to know how to modify your car electronically? Stay tuned. The Car Doctor's got the answer. We're back right after this. Hey, listeners, welcome back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor here. You know, we've had some inquiries over the past year, and they're getting to increase in frequency. Questions about chips and computer flashing, and, hey, how can I make my vehicle run better electronically? And we've reached out to the best in the business. We're going to talk to Jim McGinn, vice president of marketing for the folks over at PowerTech, and we want to welcome Jim aboard today as we uh, talk about chips and flashing. Jim, welcome to the car doctor, sir.
2: Hey, thank you very much for having me.
0: Uh, Car companies are, uh, well, and they've been doing this for some time. Once again, they seem to be on a performance path. You look at, at, at some of the cars, the Hellcat, the Camaro SS, the Corvettes, and they're trying to get more out of less with electronics. Do you do you think this is a short term trip, or do you see this as a trend?
2: No, I, I think it's a trend for sure. I think moving forward, um, you're, you're going to see cars, trucks, SUVs, crossovers, whatever they may be, uh, offering more uh, with less. I think now, when you think less on an engineering side for some of these OEMs, you're thinking less weight. Um, more safety, more features. Uh, Companies are really trying to add more for the customer off the bat. Um, And I think, you know, in the next five to ten years, the landscape will be totally revamped um, as far as technology available to customers off the lot as well as what the aftermarket can provide them. And the aftermarket's going to have to adapt to those new offerings to make sure that they can continue to deliver, you know, what the customer's looking for, what those needs may be.
0: Right Down the road. So, so electronics gives us lots of options. A, a friend of mine was lucky enough and, and wealthy enough, he was able to afford a new Dodge Hellcat. And it was really amazing to me when he explained how with this key, the car puts out 700 horsepower, and with this key, the car puts out 500 horsepower. And they're doing that electronically. I, I thought that was amazing. So when you look at electronics like that, how they can change horsepower, they can change power, what does that mean to the consumer? I mean, if somebody's out there driving a, a, a 2015 Ford Explorer, for conversation's sake, mm-hmm. is 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 there something that chip-and-flash technology can do for them? Because it doesn't necessarily have to just be a hot rod, per se.
2: No, not at all. I, I think we cater to a wide variety of customers. We We cater to the enthusiast, the guy that likes to go out to the track, Uh, And quite frankly, he may be using our product to get his race vehicle to the track, not necessarily compete. So um, one of the the biggest things that we see from our product registration data is is that people gravitate towards a tuner or a chip for increased fuel economy. Um, There's a lot of people that do recreational towing as well, whether they have a towable, a boat, an RV, camper. Um, Shift points is huge, particularly with gas customers uh, when they're pulling hills. We're here based in Ogden, Utah, so as you drive through the mountains, uh, you may see the RPMs up at four, 5,000. Eliminating downshifting is a huge benefit uh, that a chip or a programmer can provide you. And then really just power and performance from zero to wide open throttle. A lot of people think power off the line is, is where you really see the benefit. But in reality, it's when you're going from third to fourth gear or when you're coming on off the expressway, um, getting up to speed, not feeling like you're a hazard when you're at load. Um, those are the benefits that we think that really cater to the people that have fun on the weekends with their vehicle, but also drive it Monday through Friday during the week.
0: For those of you just tuning in, we're talking to Jim McGinn here on The Car Doctor, Vice President of Marketing for Powertech. Jim, so do you think the minivan user is going to see as much of an advantage as as the Corvette owner? You know, chip flash add-on performance seems to be becoming an extension of the manufacturers, and it's becoming a logical path for growth. What are your thoughts?
2: Sure. I mean, I think we're always looking to target you know, the other car in the driveway. So, you know, when you think Corvette, you think of uh, performance, speed, uh, the guy that may, you know, frequent a speed shop or go into an O'Reilly's and buy, buy parts, whereas the minivan is more for functional transportation. But the way technology is going now and some of the things that we can include in our products, it's things like a maintenance manager or reading and clearing that code. What, what does that check engine light mean to me? And that's where we can add value, I think, to the minivan customer or to the other car, quote-unquote, or truck in the driveway. Um, additional features, uh, the ability to con- control and you know lay out some style on a graph, uh, whether it's on an in-cab monitor or exporting it. Uh, to a CSV file even, to to really see where you may be experiencing a flaw in your vehicle uh, throughout the RPM band. So um, we think that, you know, manufacturers will continue to offer more things that you'll be able to view on the dash. And our our goal as a company um, is to really define performance for the customer. Sometimes that means more horsepower. Sometimes it means more visibility into what's going on in real time.
0: Because for sure, somebody using their pickup truck, uh, off-roading in Arizona, Nevada is going to want different things than the person using it as a grocery getter in downtown New York City. And and that that's probably a real-world scenario, no?
2: It is, absolutely. And the other thing that a lot of people maybe don't take into consideration is their altitude and their terrain. Um, we have a corporate office in Sanford, Florida as well. So we have the opportunity uh, between our employees here and customers throughout the country to do elevation testing and to make sure that when we, you know, provide, quote-unquote, a canned tune in our devices, that it actually is a custom tune. Um, It's built for the intent and purpose of performance, economy, towing, and it's been tested at those various altitudes and terrain levels to make sure that it's adequate and also, more importantly, safe for the customer.
0: Here's the question everybody asks me, and I I, I sort of don't have this answer. I'm hoping you do. Mm -hmm. Does chip or, or a flash improvement, affect warranty coverage and emissions inspections?
2: Sure. Well, that's a great question, and we get it uh, every day. So there's there's two answers to that question. The first one is the, uh, the Magnus and Moss Warranty Act, which states that a, a dealer uh, or a manufacturer, they cannot void your warranty based on the visual presence of an aftermarket part. Now, that has changed um, as far as how the consumer has experienced that kind of feedback from the dealer, particularly the past couple of years. Uh, we've been told that some people are actually being asked to sign paperwork at the time of their purchase, indicating that they will not add any of those photons um, wow. or features really? to the vehicle. Yeah, and it's, sometimes it's in the fine print, and they don't realize it until afterwards. Uh, what we always suggest people uh, to realize is that, A, the Magnus and Warranty Act is intact, and it is a legitimate federal law. Um, and then we also uh, let people know that all of our products um, – have gone through the emissions testing phase both internally here and with the Air Resources Board in California. So we have 50 state legal products. Our products come with executive order numbers as well as a decal that they can furnish at the time of a smog check at their emission station. So we also include um, a two-year powertrain warranty on our products which is industry exclusive. So we really try to um, validate our claims not only by you know, providing the dyno charts and all the features, but letting people know that uh, this product is backed by not just a 30-day warranty, but a two-year powertrain warranty uh, that gives them the assurance to say, "Hey, if you bring bring your vehicle in, and for whatever reason, this this programmer or this tuner has caused an issue or enhanced a current flaw, then we'll back that." And since we implemented that, we've had two instances um, in the past five years. Right. So, and that's uh, that's you know,
0: what is it? That's less than one percent. I'm betting.
2: Oh, far less. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, um, I mean, it's our intent, you know, when we reverse engineer and design tunes and implement them into a device, our guys certainly know, you know, that there's there's a safe power and then there's a power that you probably don't want to package in and make available to the general public. Right. And so we're we're confident that the various power levels that we make available, they're, they're reliable, they're safe, and they're also meaningful in the form of added power and fuel economy.
0: So, you know, speaking specifically, Jim, uh, as we kind of wind it down, for different levels or packages, w- what's involved in a typical installation? Can you describe it quickly?
2: Sure. So we, we call we call it white glove technology. You're not popping the hood. Um, you're, you're plugging in and communicating via the uh, the vehicle's diagnostic port, the obd two port right underneath the dash. Uh, typically that location varies depending on the vehicle, but it is underneath the steering wheel. Um, when you plug in you will uh, power up based on the ignition system you will be cycled through uh, some different key cycles the unit will prompt you to turn the ignition on and off and what we're doing is we're communicating with the vehicle and we're rewriting we're flashing the ECM so we're giving it a new identity based on the features and input that you've given the device Uh, so you tell us if you're running 93 octane you tell us if you want uh, a mileage tune if you want a performance tune or a towing tune and then, um, really, it's almost like installing a new version of Windows or software on your computer. You're giving it a new identity, and it's going to operate at a higher level uh, for you based on, you know, where you're driving and what you're doing.
0: Now, so I'm, sh- you can... I- I'm sure if there's an issue, you, I'm sure Superchips has tech support and, you know, they have customer service and, and so forth for something like this.
2: We do. We actually uh, we have two locations, Ogden and Utah, and then Sanford, Florida. So we actually have from 8 a.m. East Coast time to 8 p.m. East Coast time. We've got uh, technicians on hand, and these guys are certified. Uh, they've, they're hands-on with the product, and, uh, you know, they're always happy to help customers. Sometimes when you're programming a vehicle for the first time, there's some very normal hesitation and questions that come up, and those guys are great at answering those yeah. and addressing those questions. Boy,
0: wow, crazy. Great stuff, Jim. Great stuff. I think you guys have really risen to the challenge, and you're doing an exceptional job, and I want to thank you for being with us today. Um, is there a place the listeners can go for more information. Is there a website? There's got to be, right?
2: Absolutely. You can visit superchips.com. So that's www.superchips.com. That's our website. It has all our contact information and a host of information uh, about our products as well.
0: And if they have any questions, they can get them answered there. Or I'm sure there's an 800 number uh, via that website as well. Just give us the 800 number if you would, Jim. Do you have it? You bet. It's 888-227-2447. Great. Perfect. Jim, I appreciate your time today. You have a good rest of the afternoon.
2: Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor, and we are back right after this. Maybe you can Welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor. Keep in mind, listeners, this hour, I think it's this hour. We'll have to do it this hour. One of our upcoming calls, we're going to be giving away a Wix die-cast card. Um, it's their 39 Ford diecast, 118th scale model. You know, for 75 years, Wix has, has been protecting all of the engines that America drives with their various line of filters, oil filters among them. And uh, to help celebrate that, they've created this 39 Ford coupe hot rod. And um, it's a real nice piece. We've uh, got pictures of it up on our Facebook page. And we're going to give it out somewhere in the last part of this, the uh, last part of this particular hour. Let's get over to the phones and let's go talk to John Biloxi, Mississippi, 1990 Chevy Cavalier, and some questions. John, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Hi, I'm going from a four-headlight system to a two-headlight system. Okay. And the uh, I've got the low beam bulbs in the new. In the new uh, housing but they don't lock down they they will fit into the housing but they can't lock down because of the way they're designed they're, right. they're too small okay what i want to do is go to a junkyard and cut the connectors out of a two-headlight system and solder them cut cut my four-headlight connectors off and solder the two-headlight connectors on there and so that the bulb will fit tightly in the well, housing well,
0: well wait a minute you're gonna you're gonna still have high beam low beam right john
3: well, I'll have, I'll have low beam in the housing, and what I was going to do is get some, get some more housings and cut them up and stick them down in that intake below the bumper for my high beams.
0: And then how, how are you going to aim them? <laughs>
3: That's a good question. So, why don't, we, so why, don't we,
0: why don't we do this? It sounds like you want to go from a four-headlamp system to a two-headlamp system and modify it, right?
3: Well, I had to because of accident damage.
0: Okay, so and then they, why don't you just go, any... just, just make this easy. There are, I don't know the part number off the top of my head, but there are vehicles out there that do utilize a low-beam, high-beam headlamp that will be similar in the connector that you've got, and you can just install that bulb in the housing, and if you have to modify the housing at that point, then modify that. That way, at least when you go through the pane, you've got the high-beam and low-beam, and then... You can also purchase from the local auto parts store. Go to an O'Reilly. You got an O'Reilly auto parts around you and sure, ask sure. them ask them to look through the catalog, tell them what you want to do and they'll have a connector that you can purchase that will plug into that bulb. And now you've just got to transfer. You've got you're going to have you're going to have four wires on each side, two low beam, two high beam. Just condense them down. If I remember right, it's a light green that's going to be the high beam and the tan is going to be the low beam. Just combine those into each side as part of that connector, and away you go. This way you don't have um, – sounds like it would be look like a Cyclops, John, and I don't think you want that. So if you want to modify this and uh, do it simple, I would get over to an O'Reilly Auto Parts and make the changes there. All right, buddy, if you have any other questions – and, by the way, you can find out more – at um, You can get out to o- O'Reilly Auto Parts. Look them up online at OReillyAuto.com and look up more information there. But uh, doing it hands-on in the store is the best way to go. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Any and the Car Doctor back right after this. One on in the car, Doctor. We're running out of time. Let's finish this hour. Mike in Portland, Maine, two thousand six RAV four. Mike, what can I do for you real quick?
1: You may have heard about the T S B with the RAV fours and the Toyota engine with excessive oil consumption. A friend of mine has this problem they need to replace all four pistons, but Toyota doesn't have enough parts to do that. She's burned through all her oil, but I'm wondering if that's enough because her oxygen sensor is now gone. There's no smoke coming out the car. Isn't this affecting the cat? Shouldn't really everything be replaced from the fuel line back in order to keep everything running?
0: Great question, Mike. I'll tell you what, in this mechanic's opinion, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, Toyota's got a problem. A lot of these manufacturers have a problem right now, and there's not a lot of talk about it. There's not a lot of conversation going around the industry, but the fact is many manufacturers, Toyota among them, in my opinion, and from what I'm seeing, the proof's in the pudding, they've extended the oil drain interval too far. They've taken it out to the point where now a lot of these 2003 up Toyotas, like the Hondas, uh, like some of the Nissans, they're having oil consumption issues. Subaru comes to mind of late. Uh, Audi Volkswagen was in the news for this particular problem where they've extended the oil drain interval out so far that they've got varnish issues on the oil ring, the oil control ring, when these cars get into the 70, 80,000 mile mark, sometimes a little higher, and they're starting to consume oil. Sometimes it's happening sooner than the 80. Sometimes it's happening a little bit later. The problem is, uh, you know, Toyota's fix in their case is it's they want you to take the engine apart and put rings in it. Don't touch the cylinder walls. There's conversation about if the cross hatch is still there. Hey, leave it alone. It's working. Um, to me, it's kind of like letting a 12-year-old rebuild your engine, and uh, it doesn't matter if you're follow all the necessary procedures it works and it gets you out the door so yeah there's an issue and then the latter part of that is you're right it is damaging oxygen sensors air fuel ratio sensors catalytic converters the reason we don't see cars burning oil going down the road anymore is because catalytic converters swallow all that smoke hey mike you know what you're my last call this hour stay tuned stay on the line fast harry's going to get your information we're going to send that 39 ford model 118 scale car your way courtesy of the nice folks at Wix Filters and their 75th anniversary. Maybe that that will help ease your pain. I'm Ron in the car doctor, reminding everybody, the mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.